from monsters and ghosts to otherworldly beings. Join the explorers as they venture into the darkest realm seeking the truth to what goes bump in the night. Good evening and welcome to Explorers Seekers of the Truth, episode 40. I am, of course, Chad Charlesworth, and I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Lesson Cavage, on this most festive and belated holiday of Halloween. So how are you doing this evening, buddy? Uh, I am doing good, my friend, and happy belated Halloween to you as well. Um, I'm on a on the downward spiral of a candy high right now. <laughs> oh, he's good. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, well, you know how it is when, when you have little ones that go out trick-or-treating and everything, and uh, you get to reap the, reward, the uh, rewards of their their bounty just as much as they do. But uh, I'd like to welcome everybody to the show tonight. And uh, as Chad has stated, this is our 40th episode and our second annual Halloween show. Now, granted, obviously, you know, it's a couple days after, but we're still going to be doing a Halloween-esque show. Not that all of our shows aren't really Halloween-esque. If you, they, all are, they all are, if you think about it. But, uh, but before we begin, I want to remind everybody of how you could get in touch with us. As you know, that's something we always have to do. You could go to our website at www.explorersgroup.com. There you could watch archive shows, contact us, learn a little bit more about the group, and so on and so forth. Oh, and you could, they, when you watch our archive shows, um, you could actually link to our YouTube channel. So while you're there, give us a, a, a like and a subscribe and all that stuff, you know, and, uh, we're on Twitter at Explorers Group. We're on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Explorers Group. And we're on Instagram at Explorers Group and so on and so forth. And we always ask every show if you could go to iTunes, search Explorers Seekers of the Truth, give us a five-star review, leave some kind words if you don't mind, and help us grow our viewership on iTunes so we become searchable for other people to find and hopefully enjoy as we hope you all do. So now with that out of the way, <laughs> I think we're good. So in light of our second annual Halloween episode, we're going to talk about a mix of legends and mythology. And also we're going to include some of those stories I'd asked for on Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a couple of you guys had sent some in. And so we're going to cover a few of them. And this being my favorite time of year, um, it's actually my favorite holiday, of course, and uh, you know, not just because of candy and costumes, though. You know, I do like the candy, <laughs> but of course, and you know, also because we ghost hunt, we hunt for monsters in our hobby. But I, again, it's one of those things where I'm really my thing is like the history of all this. So, you know, you always hear me; I'm always the one pumping out history when we talk about stuff, but you know, the history of Halloween is really important to what we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. And it wouldn't be right if we didn't do a show without a little bit of history in it. Now, would it? So uh, let's talk about, excuse me, if I can talk, let's talk a little bit about Halloween became uh, what we know it today. Uh, It actually first came about around 2000 years ago as a pagan holiday called uh, Samhain or more commonly mispronounced, Samhain. Uh, October 31st was the Celtic New Year and the end of the harvest season, and it's believed that during this time, the veil between the world and the living uh, was at its thinnest. 
And it was believed that it was during this time that the spirits of the departed could return and walk amongst the world of the living. So to appease the spirits, food offerings were left out for the dead to discourage their mischievous ways and, and, and to hopefully avoid any kind of ill intent as they're making their way through the, the living world. Um, but um, on, uh, on, and that also is what kind of brought about uh, trick or treat or the concept of trick or treat for going around getting gifts or trinkets or treats. Uh, and on Samhain, the villagers would adorn themselves with costumes and dance around ritual fires, bringing home the embers from the blaze for their hearths in a hollowed out turnip. And the turnips were oftentimes let out on the stoop in an attempt to ward off any evil spirits. And this is where the uh, jack-o'-lantern had come from. And uh, as with most, most things, uh, Samhain was Christianized. The Catholic Church uh, co-opted Samhain to win uh, converts and rebranding it as All Saints Day or in Middle English it evolved to All Hallow Mass to All Hallowmas then All Hallows' Eve, and then eventually ending up Halloween. And largely the Irish popular, popularized um, uh, the most festive of holidays in the U.S. when they fled the uh, Great Famine between 1845 and 1849. Uh, that's the condensed history of Halloween. So unfortunately, as with most things in modern times, uh, the life is bled from old beliefs and made into commercialized events to generate the gift that taketh as much as it giveth money. You know, greed. Gotta love it. Yeah, it's unfortunate how traditions end up, you know, this in this money pit of despair. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, along with the history of Halloween, one of the traditions had, you know, around the world is the telling of, you know, ghost or spooky stories. Mm -hmm. You know, a good ghost story is always fun to share at night, you know, when you're sitting around the campfire. And, you know, the way we look at it is there's no better time of, you know, year than when the veil between living and the dead is at its thinnest around Halloween. So I'm going to start with one of my favorite legends that has been, you know, featured in such movies as Sleepy Hollow and the Fox TV show of the same name. And I'm referring to that of the Headless Horseman and the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my favorite was the Disney cartoon version of that, uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow with Ichabod Crane. And actually, we have a little little <coughs> here. As most people probably remember, uh, the Disney little short film of, of the Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that, that is a classic and I'm sure that's one of the main reasons people today know the legend of sleepy hollow with its tale, you know, of Ichabod crane, the slight yet smart school teacher and the menacing headless horseman. Mm -hmm. And that was written by Washington Irving and drawing inspiration from real life events that took place in and around Terrytown, New York. But did you know there's another headless creature from mythology that parallels the story in many ways. Oh, really? Now I knew of Irving's story and, and it was based on some kind of, uh, excuse me, <coughs> God, some kind of truth with the headless horseman. I, I think it was like, uh, he was like a Hessian soldier contracted by the British to aid in the battles during the time. I, I think around like the revolutionary war time. Yeah. And, uh, and I, pretty sure that it actually uh the headless 
the 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 story like with the Ichabod Crane and what what was the girl's name? I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, Beats me. Yeah, whatever his love interest was, there there was, I, I, and I think you had had mentioned it. It was the uh, a family in in uh, Tarrytown, New York, that the the novel or the story was kind of based after. So that's you know that's pretty cool, and uh, you know I've I've heard that but I haven't actually ever heard of anything else that would parallel it. So that's kind of, you have my attention. Well, there is, there is a creature in mythology and it's not really a um, human or, you know, human nature or human being. This creature I'm talking about dwells more in the spirit or felt uh, fairy realm. Mm-hmm. And it is the Irish Dullahan. Mm. Dullahan. And, basically the meaning of Dullahan is without a head in Irish. Hmm. I'm not even going to try to do the pronunciation of the <laughs> old Irish uh, Gaelic language. This is where we need Andy. Yeah. yeah he'd be perfect. Now I, I think I'll, 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 I'll butcher it. I think it's pronounced Gan Sian, but I'm not sure Andy would be able to. It's probably like a couple of <laughs> some kind of odd odd dialect to the to the to the enunciation. But yeah, I don't know. We'll butcher it. I thought you said Yan can cook, and I had a flashback of my childhood there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. If just remember, if Yan can cook, so can you. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> racist. <laughs> a little bit. So now the Dullahan is a type of unseely fairy in Irish mythology. Mm-hmm. And the you know, the depiction of the Dullahan is a headless rider, generally riding a black horse, who carries his own head under his under one of his arms as he rides. Hmm. Now, usually it is depicted as a male, but there are some versions in the folklore that have it being a female. Okay. And, you know, I I couldn't really find a ton of... Sorry, I'm drinking out of my new skull. <laughs> <laughs> nice. My wife was nice enough to bring it over to me because I left it in the kitchen. Oh, cool. So... Now, the description of the head itself is generally the mouth is usually in this hideous grin mm. where the face, you know, kind of is so the mouth area is so spread out that it touches both sides of the head. Basically, it's drawn out mm. and its eyes are said to constantly move. And basically, the the reason given for the eye movement is so that it can see across the countryside, even on the darkest of nights. Now, the flesh of the head is generally described as that color and consistency of moldy cheese. Oh, God. Now, I don't know if it smells like moldy cheese, but the consistency and color of moldy cheese. Right, right. Oh, that's weird. And the Dullahan is believed to use the spine of a human corpse as a whip. Now that's just kinky. Yeah, that is. That's that's hardcore. That's like Predator with Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Pulling the spine out together, and it's like their trophy. And, you know, it makes me wonder sometimes, like if when when people are creating these new 
Hollywood movies. Mm-hmm. If at some point in their life they didn't hear something about these folklore and legends and mythology and kind of like, oh yeah, that would be really cool to have a, a spine whip for mm-hmm. this creature. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, where else would they draw inspiration? I mean, even if you ever watch like that, uh, uh, that TV show on Sci-Fi Face Off. They've ever seen it where they where they're like makeup artists yeah. and they, yeah, oh, that show is great. But a lot of the stuff that that they get their inspiration from are different kind of legends and stories and myths mm-hmm. and you know folktale creatures and stuff like that. So yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think we have such a rich mythology to draw from. So some of this stuff is you know you take a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and you kind of you know, wrap it up. And if you're a good artist like yourself, not me, I'm not a good artist, but you could design something taking little bits of these, you know, different mythology, mythological creatures and kind of make something new out of them. Yeah. Now, well, hey, don't discredit yourself with your, with your artistic abilities. Cause when you made that kind of explorers cold coat of shield type thing, that, that, that was actually really good. I trace, I, I trace the background for that. You you could have left it alone and said thank you. <laughs> I didn't know that. You know, I guess that's why it came out so well. No, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I actually kind of like that design. Maybe one day we'll see it on merchandise. Yeah. So yeah. now here's one of the differences between what we know of in the spooky hollow headless horseman saga hmm. is the Doolahan a lot of times is also depicted as having a wagon, like hmm. a horse drawn wagon behind him. Uh huh. And it's generally said to be adorned with funeral objects. Right. It has candles. You know, it actually has candles and candelabras and urns. And, you know, some people even say coffins. Uh, Now, the Doolahan inside of its skull is actually it has is said to have a candle. Okay. And the candle is to help light its way as it goes. Now, here again, this is something, you know, with modern art and movies. If you think about it, like one of the things, the wagon wheels of the dual hands wagon are made from the uh, human thigh bones. Nice. Um, it's covered with dried human skin. The top of the wagon is made of dried human skin. Mm. And, you know, the ancient Irish believe that were the dual hands to stop riding, a person is due to die. Mm. Um, the, so in and, a way, it's kind, of, it's kind of like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, kind of in a lot of ways. And maybe maybe the Grim Reaper does kind of take some of the mythology from this in a way. Yeah. Um, and what it said is the dual hand is said to call out a person's name. And at which point the person immediately drops dead. Hmm. Now that is creepy. No doubt. Um, oh, so we did receive uh, a story from one of our listeners. As Chad had said, we're going to share some of those stories that you all had, or some of you had shared with us, which we very much appreciate and thank you for your uh, contributions. Um, and it kind of goes along the lines of the the fairy creatures or what's the other word for them element elementals 
or something yeah, like or, that, or like creatures yeah, of the earth, or you know, yeah. elemental. Um, I think is what they're generally kind of referred to. Yeah. <laughs> what if your name is Doolahan Moonjo? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> what do you do then? <laughs> but uh, do you want to tell everybody about how that of what had transpired with the uh, with the story? Yeah, actually, um, speaking of Moon Joey, I hope you don't mind since you did actually send us a few of your stories. One of them dealing with an elemental was something, you know, with it being, a, you know, dwelling, the Doolahan dwelling in the fairy and elemental realm. I figured this would be a good time to tell this story. The only thing I'm missing is the flashlight for under my chin in dark, you know, mm. a dark room. But Oh, yeah, you got to set the ambiance. Well, I mean, I could, you know, play a little. Uh... Of course, I can't hear this, so I hope you all. <laughs> it sounds like thunder and lightning. Oh, well, hold on. <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea to let me have a soundboard. You know, it's actually fitting because it is like pouring down rain outside my house right now. So again, ladies and gentlemen, it wouldn't be an Explorer Seekers of the Truth show if we didn't have some kind of a freaking technical difficulty. So chances are with the rain and and you know how hard it's raining, I'm probably going to lose power. So if we if the show drops at all, I apologize in advance and I hope we could get it back up and running, but let's hope that it doesn't and we could go through. So how about that story, Chad? Okay. So this story while exploring an abandoned railroad tunnel in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, along old gold mine camp road near Colorado Springs, Colorado, I'd forgotten to follow procedure when entering a possible domain of an elemental. Approaching the area of a 150-foot cliff, or excuse me, 150-foot climb, I really got to change the font on my computer some days. <laughs> To an abandoned tunnel entrance, an incredible strong wind gust hit me on this very calm weather day. It is said that a strong breeze like this is a warning from elementals to turn back and keep away. Do you like my Linda, my Linda Blair voice? Sure. <laughs> I'm trying to do world scariest, uh, world scariest places as I was reading. So. I brought no offering and asked no permission to enter the dark tunnel. As I made my way through the darkness, seeking the exit at the other end, I came upon a partially caved in area that I was climbing over to continue past it. The feeling in the tunnel suddenly changed. I stopped because I felt the difference. And a few seconds later, I was pushed backwards off the large boulder I was standing on. Mm. I was Sorry, I didn't, mean, I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to throw you off there. I was just like, oh, that, that's, that's not good news. Go ahead. Sorry. My balance was disrupted so much that I had to leap off the boulder, else I would have, have been most likely injured in the fall. I did not feel any physical touch, but rather a force that somehow moved me abruptly backwards. As I had my wrist audio recorder on it, it captured an EVP saying, leave oh my god that's 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 creepy my reading of it or the, just what was going on because i was pretty impressed with the reading as i was going no, the story was creepy the reading was horrible but go ahead continue <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> hey 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 we went to the same school <laughs> no, no, go ahead go ahead if that wasn't creepy enough my video captured a slight movement on the tunnel wall where my spotlight hit 
It is said that elementals take the shapes in rocks. I went back. There was I went back there subsequent times, and this time I made an offering of tobacco. I experienced nothing unusual that time. Apparently, I had shown the proper respect that time. Hmm. You know, you hear that a lot about, especially with uh, like cave entering caves or tunnels and stuff like that, where, um, especially with like indigenous people or 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 tribal people in certain parts of the world, where they you know they would leave offerings of respect before they would enter into different caves or tunnel systems because of what you know i guess elemental type beings or creatures that live in there so and i guess we as a quote civilized society kind of write that off as oh it's just you know mythology it's folktale it's this it's that but we truly don't know there's a lot of stuff in this world that we don't know and we have not figured out so could this be true very it very well could be i mean i've seen a lot of weird things which you know a lot of people have heard our stories on some of our paranormal shows and stuff like that i'm a believer that anything's possible yeah i mean i just from personal experiences and talking to some other people who have you know had similar experiences and had you know different experiences such as like you know moon joey's story here you know i've i wasn't there but i've felt that way in places you know not necessarily caves or tunnels but i you know i've had that feeling you know going through the woods or you know crossing through old properties and stuff like that where you just have that like I I've got to get through this section to get where I'm going, mm-hmm. but I need, you know, you always have a feeling like, you know, even when I go into cemeteries, yeah, I always am very polite. If I have to like cross over a section of graves or something like that, I'm always very polite. You know, if I take a picture of a grave, you know, I actually talk to the tombstones and say, you know, I'm just taking your picture you know, it's, it's nothing to be afraid of or worry about. Yeah. Which then people look at me like I'm crazy because I'm talking to tombstones. But hey, I, I I try to pay my respects wherever possible to this kind of stuff. And, you know, I always just feel like with mythology and with folklore and legends of, you know, basically all around the world, we find similar concepts not necessarily similar creatures or similar mythology but we find similar concepts right so to me that is you know some people dispute this when i say it but there there's a reason why those concepts are shared between cultures who never had contact with each other Mm -hmm. you know be it a misinterpretation of things going on around them at that time point possible but i don't think people in south america and people in scotland and ireland and wales had the same things happen to them you know the weather is different there's different you know types of food different crops 
So to say, oh, well, you know, it's just similar, similar experience, the shared human experience when there was no sharing between those two cultures for, you know, another thousand years, how do they have similar concepts in their folklore and mythology? Mm -hmm. Now, like the Romans and the Greeks, the Romans used the Greek mythology, renamed a lot of them to fit their language. Right. They borrowed those legends. When you see stuff in Scotland and then you see a similar item or concept, you know, being shared by people in the Amazon, there's got to be something to that. Right. So I definitely think there, there is definitely stuff out there we don't understand. There's definitely stuff that we maybe can't quantify with science. Oh, absolutely. I, that That's kind of like what I was saying before is there, there's so many things that are being discovered, you know, every year. Why not? You know, and, and, and a lot of these, for lack of better terms, myths or fairy tales, folk tales, a lot of them started because of a physical thing. You know what I mean? Like a lot of those, they started somewhere. I mean, they can't all just be to scare kids to stay out of trouble and to stay out of, you know, the dark room or, or whatever. I, I think that a lot of them have a lot of truth behind them and, you know, I don't know. But then again, I'm also a big sci-fi fan and I, like I love the Game of Thrones, and I wish, you know, I wish that magic and mystery and mythology and all that stuff was real. But I don't know. There's so many people that have experienced so many different things that are credible people that were not on any kind of a mind enhancing or a psychedelic drug, or or they weren't, you know, drinking alcohol or anything that they have these experiences. You know what I mean? Can are they all wrong? Are they all? Well, and see, that's one of the things like I look at, even if they were on, say, a substance like DMT, Mm -hmm. which opens up your mind and lets your your brain kind of go. Mm -hmm. We say, oh, those people are because of that chemical are seeing these things. But. There are shared experiences with groups who are seeing the same things while taking DMT. Mm -hmm. So if you and I take DMT and we're, I think we're about 300 miles apart right now Mm -hmm. and we're both not talking. And all of a sudden we're both writing down that we're seeing a fairy type creature with, you know, a green outfit on and we are not communicating that to each other. And then all of a sudden an independent third party says, well, their descriptions match almost identical. Right. Right. You know, so I, I'm not saying people should go get drunk or go get high and go, you know, exploring, but I think sometimes like it's an easy cop out to write that off. Right. You know, and I mean, there's there's a lot of research being done on DMT with its effect on the brain and, and your consciousness. And scientists are seeing like people in controlled environments who are not communicating are experiencing the same things. Mm-hmm. So how are you experiencing the same thing as somebody who's in another room that you've never talked to, never met, and you guys are describing 
the same type of events and environments and stuff like that. So I, I, you know, I think everybody kind of, you're neither hardcore into the science end of everything and you're, Oh, well, science says it's not possible and, and nothing like this has ever existed. And it, you know, so it, it can exist. Then right. there are people who are more into the mythology and folklore of it all. And, you know, are saying, well, I've seen stuff. I've felt stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been pushed before. Right. You know, to be pushed and moved, not just like, oh, something, I felt like something pushed me, like to actually move back two steps. To me, nobody can ever argue with that. You know, with me, they can't say, well, oh, well, your balance was off because of this, or you, you know, you stepped on something uneven. Right, right. Well, I've been there before, I've been there since, and parked in the same area, got out, you know, and walked and never had that happen after that or before that. So, you know, I I think a lot of it, you know, comes down to personal feelings and beliefs on things. You know, and I I don't think anybody has the correct answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Kelly brings up an interesting point there, you know, Indian shaman use different herbs to communicate with, um, the other worlds. That is something that shows up in almost every culture that has some form of, sh um, shaman type person in their village, mm -hmm. the use of these different herbs. And a lot of times when they start looking at it. A lot of times the same chemical compounds are found in, you know, Gaelic, you know, shamanistic practices that are found in Native American, you know, shamanistic practices and found in South America. Now, North America, South America, explainable, not that far from each other. Right. But Northern Scotland and Ireland, those people aren't traveling in that time frame to North America to meet these people and deal with this and, and learn this stuff. So it, you know, there are those things out there like DMT is used in Brazil. Uh, it's actually legal. There's a church here that's originally from Brazil that it's actually legal. It's legal to do DMT on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Otherwise it's a controlled substance in America. I'm starting to sound like a really big proponent for DMT tonight. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. say, man. Just, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, I would be commenting um, back to a lot of what you all are writing, but for some reason, the last two shows in the Be Live interface, I'm not able to respond like I normally do. So I do apologize. We're not ignoring you. Um, I just, I can't write back. I don't know why. It, it's starting to irritate me, but welcome everyone. And thank you for tuning in. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't open Facebook while we do this. Otherwise it screws up the show. So if you have Facebook and be live open at the same time, they crash each other. So yeah. freaking joy. Um, so the next topic we're going to be covering um, is another one of Irish and or uh, Celtic myth mythology. And it, it, 
it's always been kind of a creepy legend that always kind of freaked me out. Just the idea of it because uh, sounds in the dark are terrifying. And it's one of the, the trademarks of this next um, creature. What do you want to call it? Spectre that we're going to be talking about. So why don't you tell everybody what we're going to talk about, Chad? Okay. Well, the next topic we're going to cover is the Banshee. And basically, the meaning of the word is woman of the fairy mound or fairy woman. Mm-hmm. And basically described as it's a female spirit in Irish mythology who heralds the death of a family member, usually by wailing, shrieking, or... Oh, nice sound effect. I like it. Yeah, it was pretty good because I had to look over as I was doing it. Yeah, and and I have the uh, the solo image up there, so I, I didn't know you were gonna do it. I just heard that in the back of my my headphones. I'm like, ah, what's behind me? <laughs> so you got me good, you dirty dog. Well, I try sometimes. <laughs> I I hope everybody else is hearing it because, like I said, I can't hear it when I do it. So, oh yeah, that's a good point. That's that's part of our new technology, everybody. Are you able to hear those noises in the background that that I was hearing? Just write in the comment section and let us know, so that way we don't sound like a a bunch of idiots. Well, not any more than we normally do. So, anyways, go ahead on with the with the topic. I cut you off there. I was going to say you said about sounding like a bunch of idiots. We are talking about ghosts and monsters. <laughs> that's yeah. true. So I'm some sure people, in some people's eyes, were idiots. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And but anyways, I cut you off there. Yeah. So her name is connected to the mythology. Uh, um, mythological important. Less you want to try that word. <laughs> it's mythologically important to, and I'm going, I'm probably going to butcher this, tumuli or mounds that dot the Irish countryside. And they're also known as, and again, there's an accent on, on the I in this, a side or a seed, a sid. I would a, say in old Irish, sid. Yeah, something like that. But there's many varying uh, descriptions of the banshee. Sometimes she has long streaming hair and wears a gray cloak or even a green dress, and her eyes are red from continual weeping. Uh, She may be dressed in white with red hair and a ghastly complexion. According to a firsthand account by Anne, Lady uh, Fonshue, in her memoirs, Lady Wild and Ancient Legends of Ireland provides another. Um, Sometimes the banshee assumes the form of some sweet singing virgin of the family who died young and has been given the mission by the invisible powers to become the, the harbinger of coming doom to her mortal kindred. Or she may be seen at night as a shrouded woman crouched beneath the trees, lamenting with veiled face or flying past in the moonlight, crying bitterly. And the cry of this spirit is mournful beyond all other sounds on earth and betokens certain death to some members of the family whenever it's heard in the silence of the night and that's the part that always got me was just that that wailing screaming cry in the dark and out of nowhere comes this possessed ghastly demonic looking creature uh yeah, but well, the, I mean, the sound is what gets me i think yeah well yeah it's always the the wailing 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shrieking. And yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of random, you know, animals out there that can make noises that people may have misinterpreted over the years. Have you ever heard of Vixen Fox? Um, no, but you have described to me what it sounds like. It sounds like a woman screaming in sheer terror. terror. Like if you Google it, like Vixen Fox calls, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is, it is frightening. When, when I lived at the, uh, the farmhouse where we had, uh, what I guess I could, could be compared to, um, Sasquatch, I don't know, happenings or, or whatever. Um, the one night there, there were people that were renting the barn. They had horses and stuff down there and they had texted me and called me. They're like, come down here, come down here. I'm like, why? What's the matter? There's something in the woods There's something in the woods. And, uh, so I go down and it was the, the two ladies that were down there. I'm like, what is it? What is it? They're like, oh my God, there's something in there. I don't know what it is. It's freaking me out and blah, blah. And then I heard this sound. And luckily I I had heard the the calls before, so I knew what they were. But to anybody who doesn't or isn't familiar with it, I'm I'm telling you, it sounds like a woman screaming in agony or something. And and even even a bobcat, a bobcat call is 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 terrifying. Little side note. Do you want to take the next part? Or do you want me to? Yeah. In Ireland and parts of Scotland, a traditional part of the mourning process is the keening woman, which basically means to uh, weep or wail. Mm -hmm. And this woman may in some cases be actually be a professional. And the best keeners would be in high demand. Irish legend speaks of a lament being sung by a by a fairy woman she would sing it when a family member died or was about to die even Mm -hmm. if the person had died far away and news of their death had yet to come so that the wailing of the banshee was the first warning the household had of the death Mm -hmm. that's interesting so that wasn't a spirit that was an actual person yeah, that an actual person who basically, I mean, had premonitions of family members' deaths. Hmm. That's and kind of going to a little song and dance number right before. So in a way, kind of like a clairvoyant. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I guess. have to be along that you know psychic line of communication to know somebody, you know even two villages over back then had was about to, or just did pass away. I mean, that news didn't travel that fast. Yeah, really. And she's also said to have predicted deaths. If someone Mm -hmm. is about to enter a situation where it is unlikely, they will come out alive. She will warn people by screaming or wailing, giving rise to a banshee. Mm -hmm. Also being known as a wailing woman. And it's often said that the Banshees lament only the descendants of the pure Millicent stock of Ireland. Hmm. Sometimes clarified as surnames with the prefix of O or Mac. (laughs) And some accounts even state that each family has its own Banshee. One account, however, also includes the 
Geraldine, Geraldines, as they have apparently become more Irish than the Irish themselves. When several mm-hmm. banshees appear at once, it is it indicates the death of someone of great or holy values. The tales sometimes recount that the woman, through a though called a fairy, was a ghost, often of a specific murdered woman or a mother who had died in childbirth. Oh, now bad. I got goosebumps. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of always, you know. I guess the Irish mythology, the banshee, like you had said earlier, is always one of those, you know, just kind of scary. You know, you just think about that, like that that shriek and wailing, and to know that's the signal of impending doom yeah you're just hoping i hope it's not shrieking at me oh you just look i'm like you're shrieking at me yeah at me (laughs) him him her her me me oh okay yeah it's like the night at the roxbury where they're like me me him 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 what yeah hopefully it's you know the other person at that point but you never know (laughs) but yeah i always like you know i guess the irish folklore you know always kind of resonates because it is shared like you know with the scottish and the welsh and even you know the english themselves have adopted some of this or you know have tell the stories because of the you know intermarrying of people so it's you know it's always kind of gets me i guess you know Hmm. all the stories you know finn mccool yeah who threw a piece of Ireland into the ocean and made the Isle the Isle of Man? You have Balor, who's when his eye opens, signals the end of the world, which is kind of interesting. We got to talk about Balor someday. Yeah, yeah, why not? We have to talk about Balor. <laughs> yeah. You know the story of Balor. That's true. Well, the, this other part is kind of interesting. The uh, I'm I'm going to butcher this one. The uh, yeah, Brian or Brain Banshee is thought to be named Abel and the ruler of 25 other Banshees who would also always be at her attendance. And it's possible that this particular story is the source of the idea that the wailing of numerous Banshees signifies the death of a great person. So that's kind of kind of interesting where they would kind of get together, band together to to uh, pronounce the death of somebody of great importance. Kind of neat. But uh, most, though not all, surnames associated with the Banshees have, like Chad had said, the O or Mac prefix. That is, uh, surnames of the uh, Goidelic origin indicating a family native to the insular Celtic lands rather than those of the Norse, English, or Norman invaders. So it's kind of kind of interesting how they would kind of associate invading uh, names as well. Um, but accounts reach as far back as 1380 to the the publication of the uh, I'm not going to say the actual name of it because I can't pronounce it, but it's it's uh, trans translated as Triumphs of Turlow by uh, Sean McCraith. And he mentions of Banshees, the the mentions of Banshees can also be found in uh, Norman literature of that time as well. So I think that's kind of neat how it's kind of a melding of different kind of beliefs but it all has the same premise kind of like what we're talking about before, where it's kind of ironic how, you know, civilizations that are kind of spread throughout the world that 
in those days would not have had communication ironically have same mythologies or 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 legends kind of like the egyptians and the the aztec or the incans you know or what are the mayans whatever they were yeah where the the pyramids were very similar their their uh hieroglyphs were were very similar and the the pictographs the way they depicted these beings from the skies or beings from the heavens and stuff like that it's it's eerily similar how they kind of correlate yeah my only thing would be you know if a banshee is going to come for me mm-hmm. i'm hoping it's more than one <laughs> yeah i want to feel a little important when you're you know <laughs> what i mean like if you're going to go out you kind of want to feel important on the way <laughs> yeah it's just one real old rickety one it's like yeah <laughs> that's it that's yeah. what i get <laughs> that that that's that's what i get great thanks yeah, Christ, <laughs> just take me yeah yeah now i guess yeah it i don't have a mac you know prefix in any of my genetic lines so thank god (laughs) or a mick (laughs) that's true thank god now there is a story that comes out of that area where the wailing of one of these uh banshees is said to be able to shatter glass Hmm. and in scottish folklore a similar creature known as the bean nigh or bean night chain meaning little washer woman hmm. or little washer at the ford hmm. and is seen washing the bloodstained clothes or armor of those who are about to die in welsh folklore there's also a similar creature known as the hag of the mist Hmm. so you know the banshee definitely an interesting you know topic especially around this time of year Mm -hmm. you know with being halloween and or well let's all pretend it's still halloween (laughs) yeah i mean we haven't even hit guy fawkes day so technically (laughs) it's still the season that's true that's true and so you know this is definitely and again now those cultures are you know close enough to have shared stories but the little differences in their stories mm-hmm. you know the woman the little washer woman you know washing the armor or bloodstained clothing of people who are about to die yeah you know the banshee signaling people about to die so it's definitely yeah it's oh, kind of like you said it's all it's all a, a premonition in some way shape or form yeah and it's all a, a female-based apparition or clairvoyant or you know it's always these women entities that that bring the impending doom and and they're all linked in some in some way so huh, imagine that women and impending doom <laughs> i did not say that <laughs> delete 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 <laughs> yeah, right. oh, well, boy. well it's better than some of the things you've said on this show <laughs> oh, shut up don't bring that back <laughs> yeah i won't yeah yeah moon joy says on his bucket list is to do an overnight stay at a haunted castle in ireland 
my bucket list is just to get to Ireland and <laughs> let not, not, not just not staying in a castle, just get there. Uh, and I think if, if I had the chance, I'd, I'd stay. Cause actually speaking of, um, destination truth, if anybody remembers, you know, we always talk about Josh Gates in in a lot of our shows, I'm a huge Josh Gates fan. And one of my favorite shows was destination truth that he, uh, hosted, <clears throat> excuse me and one of the episodes is they they were looking for um was it leprechauns or fairies or something over in ireland and they were in this area where i guess it was a circle uh patch of earth that nothing grew on and when they they thought it was a portal one of their crew members was lifted off the ground but they also went to a castle in ireland which is has like a real real nasty history to it bloody history and supposedly they there the castle was haunted or or guarded by a banshee and mm-hmm. that was one of the things that they had gone i wish i i, I couldn't find the the name of the the freaking castle but yeah if i, I had a chance go ahead yeah i remember that episode it's a very good episode mm-hmm. oh I, I i would definitely spend a night in a haunted castle Oh yeah, no doubt. Because we kind of talked about that before. Because I mean, for anybody who who uh, goes paranormal investigating or anything like that, now granted, there are times when some weird things happen, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time, nothing happens. <laughs> we go to all these different locations, we set up all this equipment, we we do everything textbook style you know and we even kind of stray out of the norm we we think outside the box nothing happens <laughs> it's not like on tv like with ghost adventures and again i'm not knocking I, I love ghost adventures but uh it's like every episode there's like one thing after the other after the other now granted they're in there all night long and a lot of places that you pay for you don't get the entire night you get a you know a, a, so many hours but you don't get anything. We've investigated res- residential areas where, you know, it wasn't a pay to play place and nothing happened. But then again, on the other hand, uh, with a previous group that I was with, <clears throat> we investigated a house locally and it was one of the most active locations we'd ever been in. Now it wasn't like what you see on TV, crazy off the wall stuff, you know, but we were getting EVPs. We were getting K2 responses. It was very active. And we did sweeps of the area down in the basement. We saw where all the wiring ran. We saw where the the higher power sources were. And it's just really odd stuff had taken place. But I'm not really afraid to go to a haunted castle or haunted hotel or haunted whatever. Now, granted, if I was in there by myself, yeah, I'd feel a little creeped out. But if I were in there with a crew or something like that, honestly... Anybody who has ever investigated with me, I fall asleep at every single location. So I'll probably fall asleep in that one too. Yeah. If you actually look at our Twitter, you know, at Explorers Group, you'll actually see a little video of Wes sleeping at the Haldeman Mansion. <laughs> and that's right when we got that odd sound. Yep. As, as strange as it is, as it is, I was literally now in my defense. I was horribly sick during that investigation. So, I mean, you could vouch for me on that. And and I was just exhausted. But yeah, 
I, I you can see I'm I, I'm pretty much stone cold sleeping, you know. And then we caught that sound and woke me right up. Yeah. Well, actually, no. There's actually another video clip of you sleeping. <laughs> yeah, there's too many. But yeah, we always like Les and I were talking the other day. You know, you always see this. For a million dollars, would you spend the night in this place? And like Les and I said, we pay money to spend time in those places. <laughs> yeah. yeah, give me a million dollars, no problem. Because yeah, most be nice likely, be... go ahead. Like most likely, nothing's really going to happen. No, and no, even I'm, if it does, unless, unless it's faked. Yeah, you know, and if it does, well, hopefully we catch it on the equipment and have something to show for it. You know, and make, and make even more money <laughs> off it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I mean, or the potential of. Yeah, I always hey, love Joe! that. They always, they always get you know pass around online on these different ghost groups and all that. Would you stay in this place for a? Uh, uh, you know, for two million dollars, would you stay in this haunted asylum for the entire night? Yeah. Well, yeah. Hell yeah, because usually we're paying to get into those places. <laughs> yeah, and I pretty much can sleep anywhere. So uh-huh. same here, brother. Same here. All right. So what's the next thing? We we kind of started segueing into it. Um, well, this is the the Welsh. Um, I actually looked up the pronunciation of this today, so I'm going to give it a try. The Sea Hyrath, mm. which Sea High means muscle, tendon, flesh, and um, skeleton. So a thing of mere flesh and bone. It's a specter uh, type of wraith. And it's a ghostly spirit in Welsh, Welsh mythology. It's a disembodied moaning voice that sounds before a person's death. So this is very similar to a banshee in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, but this doesn't have a physical form a lot of times as, you know, it's more of a, just a, a moaning, a sound, you know, people hear, which, you know, is again, quite interesting. And mm-hmm. the legend associated with the sea hyrath, um, is the area in the river around the river Taiwan in Eastern uh, Diver, as well as the coast of Glamorganshire. This, we definitely need Andy when we do these. I know. Uh, I know. Welsh. Cause gotta, my, you should have been a third mic tonight. Yeah. Uh, Cause a lot of my Welsh people uh, never spoke the native language. So yeah, I, I have Welsh in me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. Nick, yeah, I don't know if my like my grandmother and my grandfather had Welsh blood and my stepfather is Welsh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he speaks the language. So if he does, it's another hidden talent that we didn't know about yet. There you go. And the noise is said to be doleful and disagreeable, like mm-hmm. the groans or sighs of someone deathly ill. And the sound and to sound three times growing weaker and fainter each time as threefold warning before the person expires. Along the Glamorganshire coast, the Sea Hyrath is said to be heard before a shipwreck accompanied by a corpse light. 
corpse light. like the irish what's that corpse light what's that yeah corpse um and i may be butchering this one because i've read about them before but it's kind of like one of those random lights that just kind of float mm -hmm. um people kind of a lot of times see them in cemeteries and they're just kind of like a floating light that has no source mm -hmm. and they just kind of um similar to the light that came down the hallway when we lived in minersville oh yeah 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 kind of along that same lines like it's just a ball of light they're sometimes described as red or green or white and they just kind of a lot of times the they're they're called cemetery lights in some in some definitions of them hmm. mm -hmm. like some of the stories i've read where they they just you know they kind of interchange the names back and forth mm -hmm. and yeah, probably, you're probably right just a yeah light or an orb yeah yeah basically but not an orb in the sense of the horrible you know flash reflections on dust yeah, or dust ir light orb. reflection mm-hmm this is more of an actual like light, like a mm -hmm. physical light that people see. Gotcha. Now, of course, like I said earlier, this is very similar to the Irish Banshee. And it's also very similar to the, again, I did my research on how to pronounce this Granty ribbon which I know is not right, but it's close enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now the grand Tyribbon and the sea also sounds for Welsh natives dying far from home. Hmm. So this could, you know, Again, that almost goes back to the thing with the Banshee about that woman who knew of or about the time other family members would be passing over. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely, you know, again, how much of this is shared mythology because of the closeness of the cultures. Mm -hmm. But definitely, you know, some interesting little things there. And of course, you know, you can find some books out there. I have a book. Uh, I don't know if you guys can see this or not. Haunted uh, Britain in Ireland. Yeah. I got this book at a used bookstore for like $3. And it is very, it's very interesting because it breaks it down by parts of the country and like it breaks it down Ireland, Scotland, and the main land of England and Wales. But then it also breaks it down by town. So you can look up, you know, different little stories. Like I got to hit up Andy about the Blackpool by where he lives one of these days. I'm just waiting to broach that subject with him. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be happy to share. We'll bring him on the show and talk about some different kind of, uh, Celtic Isle lore and legend because I believe he said he's from Wales, right? 
Yeah, yeah, he's of Welsh descent. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I go to see him next summer, I'm gonna make him take me to this place. Mm-hmm. Be like, Andy, you have to take me. <laughs> I can't drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> I mean, I do it now, but that's just by accident <laughs> most days. That's why people should not text and drive. Yeah, that's for sure. So I have a really interesting story and it was actually shared to me by a friend and it's doesn't really fit with the Banshee legends, but again, we wanted to tell some, you know, ghost stories and kind of segue between some stuff here. Mm -hmm. So this story comes from one of my friends from when I worked at the newspaper and it happened while uh, she was running a route several years ago. And I actually wanted to get a picture of this intersection counting. I drive through it like three or four times a week. I just didn't have a red light long enough to take a picture. Mm-hmm. It's a T intersection. It's where two kind of country highways intersect. And it has a very weird two stage green light. Mm-hmm. So you get the you stop way back on the road before the intersection and then you get a green light and a second green light for you to make your turn That's but yeah i'll show it to you next time you're down it's not really that bad you kind of the, the lights turn at the same time so oh, okay. you can kind of go through it but what happened was she had pulled up to the red light connecting these two country highways just i just outside of the town once known as the devil's kitchen mm. It was raining heavily when she noticed a man dressed in 1970s formal wear. Mm. The suit was very out of place for current day, but not super unusual for this area. And he seemed to be pacing around waiting for the light to turn. And of course, she you know, felt bad for this poor man stuck out in the rain. But that's when she noticed he didn't seem to be affected by the heavily falling rain. And by not affected, he didn't try to bundle himself up inside of his suit or pull his coat up over his head. And just as the light turned green, her headlights came into a better viewing position and the man had vanished. Mm. But the interesting thing is, where could he have went? There are woods to the left. He was not there. And they're not very thick woods, so you can see a good distance into them. Right, right. And to the right of this area where he was pacing is a gigantic, probably three mile open field. Jeez. So just remember to keep your eyes open during those early morning rides. You never know what you might see. (laughs) How about it? And actually, I've I've actually pulled up to this intersection several times in the very early morning and several times while it has been heavily raining in the early morning. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just looking outside. I'm like, it's it's heavily raining right now. (laughs) It was raining down here pretty bad uh, this afternoon, and I actually had to come through that intersection. But it was daytime, so I wasn't too scared. Right, right. But I actually have a couple of times rolled up on that at night and been like looking where she said the person was and just like staring at that spot. Like if I see somebody dressed in a 1970s leisure suit, I'm blowing this light. I'm, yeah, because really. it, you know, and it was this happened just a couple of years ago. So like I, you know, in the story, you think about, oh, a 70s leisure suit. That's really out of place. 
but around here it's not really that unusual yeah yeah because there's a lot of like oldies groups and stuff like that so it could have been like a performer and there's a lot of like fire halls and stuff in this area so it didn't yeah. really you know it was out of place but it was also not that unusual Plausible. yeah yeah well kind of those spectral beings that you see along the roads and stuff that there there's a lot of stories like that i remember one time my dad was telling me when he was younger um i don't know for anybody in the schuylkill county area the county chad and i grew up in there's a road between saint Clair and i what mono city called the burma road yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah well mm -hmm. one time my dad was driving down the burma and apparently there's a story of the woman in white on the Burma road where there's this woman in a long white dress and she walks along the side of the road. And my dad had said, he, you know, he had heard the story before and never thought any of it, anything of it. And uh, one night he was driving down the Burma, just cruising along. All of a sudden there's this woman in white on the side of the road, walking on the side of the road. He got a few, you know, maybe a few yards or whatever in front of her, stopped, looked back in the rear view with the, the, tail lights illuminating the road and he said there was nobody there and it was late at night it was pitch black and the burma road has no street lights there's no lighting whatsoever so why would a why would a woman just randomly jump into the bushes to get out of the way of of, of a vehicle or anything now granted i mean maybe she thought you know oh is this guy gonna try and kidnap me or whatever maybe she did try and hide but he said just with the with when he saw her and he and he's looking in the rear view he stops and he looks back and then she's gone. So it was just too coincidental and too quick for, for that to happen. I don't know, but there was a lot of people that seen the woman in white on the Burma road. And my dad was fortunately one of them, but, uh, I've never, yeah, we actually, it. yeah. Yeah. We, we discussed that during our, uh, phantom hitchhiker episode. I remember yeah, us yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Kelly, what area are you in? I oh, just read a, the comment. Yeah. I'm just hoping everybody's okay in that area. Yeah. Cause she's not that far from me. I hope it doesn't come up up here or she used to be not far from me. I don't know where she lives now, but uh, it's, it's pretty nasty outside. So I, I hope, uh, I hope I don't get swept up in a tornado when I try and go back in the house. Well, just keep the feed going if it happens. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. <laughs> oh, boy. That will that will go viral. So oh, God, yeah, yeah. Now just don't shoot it on a Sony Handycam, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. We need something Get, professional, like a 1980s Panasonic video camera. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you hear about these big announcements about to happen and you get all excited to hear them. And they just and they, they don't happen. They just don't happen. Yeah, yeah. That drives me nuts. How many times do we hear what story, Kelly? The Burma Road lady? Or the lady in white? I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's the next uh the, the next stop on the on the story train today? Well, we're gonna talk about the hag of the mist. Hmm. And this is a, a monstrous Welsh spirit in the shape of a hideous, hideously ugly woman. 
Um, a Welsh saying to describe a woman without good looks goes, yeah, you don't even may try. more slog guarantee ribbon, which I, this is seriously, just, we need just to read the trans, the translation. She's ugly she, as a, uh, whatever the thing is that you said, guarantee ribbon, guarantee ribbon. There you go. With a harpy like appearance, unkept hair and withered arms with leathery 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 if i look at the camera i can't say it (laughs) wings long black teeth and a pale corpse like feature (laughs) don't play charades with chad that's a good one (laughs) yeah i'm not good i honestly i'm not good at that game I get very angry. (laughs) (laughs) I also don't like playing Monopoly. (laughs) I also get very angry. (laughs) Now, the legend of this and the the kind of folklore behind it is she approaches the window of a person about to die by night and calls their name or travels invisibly beside them and utters her cry when they approach a stream or a crossroad and is sometimes depicted as washing her hands there. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Now, some of the things they will wail or shriek, they've you know been reported to do this, would be like, my husband, my husband, or my child, my little child. Hmm. You know, Though they say, again, this is another one of those where sometimes it has a male's voice and will cry, my wife, my wife. If it is death that is coming, the name of the doomed one to die is supposed to be heard in her shrill tenor. Hmm. Often invisible, she can sometimes be seen at a crossroads, you know, or a stream when the mist rises. Which is kind of creepy because I do a lot of early morning drive through a lot of country areas where there are streams and a lot of fog. Ugh, yeah. Can you imagine if you're just cruising along and you just see a face materialize from it? Well, <laughs> I really wish I had the dark shadows music when you did that. How about it. And there, you know, some speculation has been asserted that the apparition may have once been a water deity hmm. or an aspect of the Welsh god, goddess Doné. Uh, she is the wife of a fagadu. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's how it's spelled. It looks like it's spelled that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually have a. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how would you say that? A fagadu, yeah, that's, that's what yeah. it looks like. I'm sure there is probably some kind of very Welsh pronunciation that we're missing, but right, it's like I said before, like Andy when he was talking about some of the lies, like la is probably something like that, where it's like this jarbled, throaty enunciation. Yeah. Now I have a story about an old hag. Mm, I'm sure you have many. Oh, (laughs) do you want to play that game? Moving along. Tell your story. (laughs) 
Um, now the only thing is nobody died. So, you know, just, that's not going to be part of the story. All right. Well, that's good. That's good that nobody died. <laughs> Sorry. You just made me chuckle a little inside. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so my friend and uh, his now ex-wife have two sons. And they lived in this old farmhouse out in Perry County. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is for anybody not familiar with Pennsylvania, it's out past the state capital of Harrisburg. And like this farmhouse, the driveway was, oh, about three quarters of a mile nice. to the house. And like, it was like, it went downhill to the house and then it was wooded behind the house and went up a hill. And then it was more farmland around it. Mm-hmm. This is the same house where one of those paraglider things crashed and the guy died. Oh, somebody did <laughs> somebody die. Did not die. involved with <laughs> yeah, not involved with that story, but somebody <laughs> did actually die there. There you go. Um, but th- and and not this to laugh house, about you know the unfortunate you know it's just funny that we said nobody did, but they did. Yeah, I mean I didn't know him, so <laughs> God. <laughs> I said before I'm a horrible human being. All right, go on, go on. But. Now, this farmhouse, I I stayed there several times by myself to dog sit and stuff like that. And I always said it reminded me of like the farmhouse in um, Night of the Living Dead. Oh. And there was a big old barn Mm -hmm. by the house. And then a little like the age of the house. Like, was it like old, old property and just kind of renovated over the years or is it like a newer build it was old um the house was renovated several times over the years it was expanded and stuff like that the barn itself the original barn was 1800s built nice, nice. so there's a lot of history there and, and that yeah. area down near uh harrisburg and whatnot uh just like where, where the haldeman is uh, a lot of history i mean going back to the country's infancy and stuff like that so there's a lot of 1700 structures still back mm-hmm. back in that area yeah and this house they were living in mm-hmm. the way like you came in the front door and to your right was the kitchen and like little dining room area and to the left was the living room and the stairwell was like right in front of the door to go upstairs Mm-hmm. Well, when you went through the living room, there was another little room behind that. It was kind of like uh, they used it as a kid's playroom. Mm-hmm. Well, it had three windows. So when you were looking at it from the living room, there was a window directly in front of you, one to the left and one to the right. Mm-hmm. So their son, um, Dylan, was playing when he was little and he was about maybe six or seven. So his brother was probably around four or five Mm -hmm. and he was just playing back there like a little kid with his toys and stuff like that. And never, never had a problem. It was evening Mm -hmm. and he came running into the living room and jumped on his dad, like jumped like flying across the room, jumped on him. Like in in fright? In fright. 
mm-hmm. crying, like hysterical crying, could not catch his breath. Mm. He finally calms down and they finally ask him, you know, to get the story out of him. He said he was sitting there playing and he heard something tap on the window. Now, this is night, like evening, dark out evening. Yeah. He heard something tap on the window. Oh, gosh. And at first he didn't like he just, you know, it's an old house. Windows make noise. That kind of right. thing. He's little. He's he's playing. He's not really, you know, focused on, oh, my God, what's that? And he said, like, the tap got louder. And he thought he heard somebody say his name. Oh, God. Now, his parents legitimately were no more than seven feet from him. Yeah. They heard nothing. Didn't hear the tap on the window. Didn't hear anything. Yo, nobody called his name. He said when he looked up at the window, he saw the ugliest old woman with like the wrinkly, like almost decomposing face with like a grayish like cloak around her face, but he could see like the, the like straggly gray hair and she, her face was all like distorted. And that's when he got up and ran in the room. You know, that's kind of weird because we lived on that farmhouse. And again, I bring that, that house up all the time because on the property and in the house, we had some weird things happen. And my oldest daughter, when she was two or three ish, um, she wouldn't sleep in, in the room that we had for her in, in the house because she said there was an old woman, but she ex- described her more of like, uh, more of like a shadow person, but there were vague details. Like she would say, Oh, it's an old woman that, that, uh, is, is, is hunched over in the corner of my room and she stares at me at night and she's like, I don't want to go in there. I don't want to go in there. And it went on for probably a year. And finally, I was like, you know what? You don't need to sleep in there at all. <laughs> Between what used to happen with the baby monitors, with those weird noises that used to come through, and her, you know, seeing this crouched, crouched up old lady in the in the corner, a shadowy old lady, I was like, you know, forget about it. And I, even when I was young, uh, but I was probably pre-teen to early teens, I saw what looked like my mom come into our bedroom at night and and actually reached over i was on the top bunk at the time and reached over the railing and i could see straight through like it had my mom's hair but the face was all black there was like nothing and the hands on the on the railing like it, it almost looked like they decomposed in front of my eyes like it was effed up like it was really really messed up so i don't know maybe maybe there is something there with all these different legends of these creepy women yes creepy women just leave it at that good one (laughs) now creepy women specters or or premonition kind of through a female form yeah now that house out there in perry county Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. had some weird stuff happen over the years on the just, property. Just with them or with other people? Um, the family who lived there before them had mm-hmm. some odd stuff happen. Now, they never like said, oh, we saw the old woman or anything like that, but there were, um, for explanation purposes, um, ghostly little Amish kids. Oh, that is creepy. Yeah, especially when you watch it happen at lunchtime on a sunny day while sitting by a window. What happened? Um, we were sitting, we were training dogs to kind of give you an idea of who I was with. Uh-huh. We were training dogs. So his, that property was great because it was so big. You could do tracking, trailing. We could do, you know, detection work, bite work. So we decided to take a break. Right. We'd make lunch. We were sitting there. And when you sat at the kitchen table, there was a window like that faced the front of the house. And there was a window that faced towards the old barn. We're sitting there and I'm sitting facing the window that looks at the barn. Mm-hmm. The other person is sitting looking out the window that faces the driveway. Right. And just sitting there talking, talking about the dogs and everything. All of a sudden, little kids go running past the first window in front of the second window and run to the barn. Only problem is they were little girls. They were dressed in very plain gray outfits, like dresses, very long dresses, very high necks, gray, Mm -hmm. had the little bonnets on and they run straight to the barn. Now, are you sure it wasn't like actual? Well, one? well, let me finish. Oh, okay. Cause this, this will actually 100% prove it wasn't anybody. Okay. The German shepherd that was sitting next to me by the window f- ran to the window that I was looking out of s- started barking. Uh-huh. We're like, who are these? We thought they were like real little kids. Like whose kids are these? So we go out the front door, start walking towards the barn Mm -hmm. and we're yelling, Hey, Hey, you know, kids, what are you doing? Hey, (laughs) Hey kids, what are you doing? (laughs) We're, you know, and and the person with me was also a police officer. Right. Right. So we're, we are like armed, you know, have three dogs that do bite work with us. Mm Hmm. So we send the shepherd to go corral the kids, basically. Yeah, yeah. So the shepherd takes off through the front front entry of the barn. You hear him go around the barn, and you hear you see him come out the bottom door of the barn. Doesn't find these kids. Now, this dog could track and trail for a good mile and a half. I've seen him do a six mile track, get within a hundred yards of the person at six miles. Right. That's a lot for a dog in the summertime to do. Yeah. 
I've worked with him in buildings like warehouse buildings and stuff like that where I hid with the bite suit and he found me. Couldn't find anybody. So what the person I was with goes through the front door. I go through the bottom door and we clear the barn. There were no kids. We talked to that person. Now it's his ex-wife. We talked to her when she gets home from work because at this point, we're both looking at each other like, what was that? Yeah, really? Like, where did they come from? Why were they there? And she's like, oh, yeah, that has happened here before. She's like, I've sent Stryker out there several times chasing them. Hmm. He can't catch them. They always ran towards the barn and into the barn, but they were never in there. Hmm. There was never any adults around to describe how big this property is. Like I said, it was three quarters of a mile from the road to the house on their driveway. Mm -hmm. The nearest house to them was three, three and a half miles on the other side of the road. Wow. So there weren't like little kids in the neighborhood. There wasn't any Amish people living around there. That's that's what I was going to say, because that's it's not that far out from Amish areas. No, and there are Amish people that live out in Perry County. Yeah, but not out there. And why would three random, you know, two, three random little Amish girls be running around on in somebody else's yard? Yeah, that's true. Because they, I mean, they they do run around in neighboring houses within their community. But I mean, yeah. that would be a farm that they knew wasn't part of their community. Yeah, you know what I mean. They wouldn't, because they don't generally mix with the English. Yeah, they don't. You know? They generally the kids are especially told not to. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I've went to a few auctions run by the Amish, and the kids are very polite, but it's like pulling teeth to get them to talk. Mm-hmm. Like legitimately, I held one of them down and pulled his teeth until he started talking. Jeez. I told you, I told you I'm not a nice person. <laughs> I, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> did you ever? <laughs> I thought I did. Well, you were hey, wrong. Hey, your, your story's giving Moon Joey a heart attack. His His cat got freaked out by the story and jumped on him. <laughs> sorry <laughs> i hate i i had a cat when i was in college that when i would fall asleep on the couch would jump off the top of the couch and land on my chest that, that used nice. to yeah yeah it was her mm-hmm. used to startle like because i would be asleep and i'd get whacked in the chest it would i mean startle and scare me half to death every time it happened I knew it was going to happen if I fell asleep on the couch, but every time it happened, I shot straight up and was like, <gasps> you know, panicked. But yeah, that, that house out there had some weird stuff over the years and just, you know, they, they moved. Oh, they probably lived there for about three years and they finally moved out of there. Now they didn't move out because like oh the house was haunted or anything like that. They just 
you know, job opportunities and stuff like that, they moved, but right, right. right. Well, I'll tell you what, oh, excuse me. If I saw a bunch of spectral kids running around my property, I don't know if I'd want to stick around too long. Yeah. I mean, well, it was like I said, we like legit thought they were real, like real kids. Right. Right. Cause why would you think otherwise during the broad daylight? You know what I mean? You're just sitting here. You see three little kids. Your yeah. mind rationally makes sense of that, you know? Well, and I mean, looking at them, except for like the Amish type clothing, mm-hmm. they looked real. Like they didn't look like, you know, like they always describe ghosts and stuff like that. They looked like just real little omelets <laughs> running through the yard. Uh-huh. But like when we did the, went into the barn, cleared the barn, sent, had the dog go in first and that dog was amazing. Yeah. Couldn't find anybody in there. And then to talk to his wife and she's like, I've seen it a couple of times here, Hmm. but their son had, I think the scariest encounter in that house. And that, that whole, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, like he said, it wasn't, I've talked to him when he got older about it and he said, it wasn't like just a face. He could see like the shoulders and like the start of the body that would be like, you know, visible in the window. Yeah. And they actually went outside and looked to make sure somebody wasn't like peeping in the windows. Mm-hmm. And they never saw anybody or found anybody. And again, they all, you know, had at least two working dogs in their house at all times. So if somebody I- was out there dogs and i tell you i would not <coughs> i would not uh mess around around those dogs yeah but they definitely yeah like that type of thing would i think that would be enough reason for me to move out of a house oh, if yeah. i could yeah. get out yeah you know looking out the window and seeing some old distorted hag just peering in at you yeah <laughs> Kind of reminds me of the one time when I was little. This isn't really a uh, horror story or ghost story or paranormal story, but it is a Halloween story. Do you mind if I share it? The listener provided one? No, no, no. It, it's a personal story. Oh, it's yeah. It's not really. It, like I said, it's not a paranormal story, uh, but my mom and my stepdad were having a Halloween party. Mm-hmm. And this was back while they still both worked at the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of like sheriff's deputies and friends and lawyers and all this stuff. And they had it at our house in Cursona. Mm-hmm. And they had a friend who used to do, I don't want to say parlor tricks because I think that would be disrespectful to the person. He's since passed away and uh, he actually got me kind of interested in learning more and more about the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did was he went to the front door. We had a front door and a side door to the house, which was basically the back door, but it came out on the side of the house instead of the actual back of the house. So he came up to the front door, knocked on the door, 
but you could run around to the side of the house and hide. So he knocked on the door. My mom and all are like, go answer the door. It's probably somebody coming for the party. Yeah. Yeah. So I go open the door. There's nobody there. So I'm like, mom, there's nobody here, but I actually heard somebody knocking on the door. Right. So I closed the door and back then we locked it. We had a red front door too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I see a red door. I want to paint it black, <laughs> but my stepfather, for some reason, painted our front door red. I, I think that actually has a, is a Welsh tradition for some reason, I think, but so I close the door. I lock it. There's another knock on the door. So my mom's like, go see who it is. Let him in. So I go to the front door, unlock the door, open it. There's nobody there. So I yelled to my mom. I'm like, there's nobody there. She goes, well, go around the side of the house and see if they're coming to the back door and have them come in through the front. Mm-hmm. So of course I was a scaredy cat as a child. Hence my mother's nickname for me, chicken shit, Chad. <laughs> I go like walking and we had a bright light on our porch, but I'm like walking close to the house and I get to the corner and I like, peek around the corner and I see this thing that is six foot tall holding a machete and has a distorted face come running at me. Oh my God. I ran back in the house. Didn't close the door. Ran straight into my mom and just like grabbed her and was like, Oh, ah! It was their friend who, uh, he actually gave me a spirit needle that night, which was pretty cool for scaring me. Nice. Yeah. I think he had something to do with the, um, store in Jim Thorpe, the Uh, Emporium. No, the Emporium. Oh, oh, oh. well, really? Yeah. I think he had something to do when they first opened, like with the ownership. It wasn't Barrett, was it? No. Okay. No, but he was from that area. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, he used to do a lot of the, uh, like, like I said, I don't want to call him parlor tricks because I like I learned a lot from this person. Right. He used to be able to levitate tables. Oh wow! I witnessed him that night levitate a table, and in such a way. That like, oh yeah, you could like glue, put glue on your fingertips and like raise the table up and it would right. stick to your hands. No, I wrong ass glue. I watched four adults with their hands on a table as I stood next to him, watch the table start rocking back and forth and side to side, and all of a sudden start lifting straight up in the air. Wow. Yeah. That I, like I said, I don't want to call it Pollard tricks because I really do actually have a lot of respect for that person. Okay. And like I said, he has, he has passed away, but he yeah. still taught me a lot about that stuff. And like I said, he gave me that spirit needle when I was a kid, which was like the neatest thing ever. Right. That's kind of, kind of reminds me of that. Uh, remember when would you have uh, parties as kids, you know, light as a feather, stiff as a board and you, you just hold mm-hmm. two fingers and you raise people up. We've done that before. And actually, we lifted my brother Mike. 
Yeah, but he is like light as a feather when he was little. Yeah, I mean, back then he was. Yeah, couldn't do that to him now. I bet. No, he's he's much more solid. So, do you want to take this last reader submission? Yeah, yeah, we or have listener submission. Yeah, we have another uh, interesting story that was provided to us by uh, one of our listeners, and uh, I'll read it verbatim. It says, "In historical landmark." Landmark marking the Quone Aquarii in St. Augustine, Florida. My wife and I, we investigate together, and she's sensitive. Uh, we're just starting to get set up uh, a static video equipment when my wife explained out loud, oh, my God, do you see that? I hadn't seen it as I was intently involved in a, in a stuck camera tripod, a static camera tripod. I looked up too late. My wife stated that she saw a person in a monk's robe with a hood approximately 30 yards away and walking away from our location. What is that? <laughs> hey, are you playing music? Because I can hear the music in the background. Sorry, like the soundboard actually popped up a commercial all of a sudden. <laughs> I was like, I say you, check, check, check it out. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, she stated he was only visible from the waist up and faded out from visibility after about five seconds. This was just the start to our in interesting evening there. The sun was setting quickly and we started to walk through when we heard multiple loud voices talking just to our left coming from the swamp. It was almost dark, and since we were in an isolated area, we, we were startled to find someone unseen was nearby. Please know that the swamp is literally an impassable, deep, boggy area next to the quarry on one side. They couldn't have gotten past us uh, to be there, nor be able to walk there, and although we couldn't make it out, what, uh, what they were saying as the voices kept getting closer, it had a threatening sound to it. I pushed my wife behind me and pulled out my knife that I carry with me, expecting to have to defend us. The voices suddenly stopped. After our heartbeat settled back down to normal, we, proceed, we proceeded to our investigation. It was now hard to see with just ambient light remaining in the quarry. I then felt as though I had walked through a giant spider web and, and par partially freaked out, flailing my arms and my head. I said to my wife, I just walked through a spider web and it's all over my head. The only problem was I was in a wide open space with no vegetation of any kind near me. Well, I was just with my daughter earlier today before the show and uh, she was taking her horseback riding lessons and she had her first fall today, which really sucked. But anyway, I was standing there in the open round pen, nothing around us, and I had spider webs all over the back of my neck and they were crawling on me. So spiders can actually ex like shoot out some web and float through the air currents on them. So that's that's a possibility. But anyways, um uh he he says my wife said it can't be in your hair, you're wearing a hat. There's a commonly held belief that when a spirit is touched you, it feels like a feather or spider web touching you. I then asked my wife to walk to the opposite side of the quarry and I would video her um, with the possibility of capturing some kind of uh, anomaly that she seems to usually be, usually be drawn to her presence. A review of the video revealed no visible, visible phenomena. However, we captured an EVP on the recording saying with vocal tone, excusing me 
This was incredible historical validation because the quarry used to be worked by slaves and it sounded like a male voice speaking in an interesting type of dialect, acting like I was in his way. Historical fact, the uh, Kakwina extracted in this, uh, or I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, extracted in this quarry was hauled by oxen-drawn cart to the nearby waterway and used to build the famous Spanish fort there, the Castillo de San Marcos. The reason I share that bit of information is that one of my video recorders that I placed in a spot near the old path of the quarry, I captured the most amazing EVP of my wife uh, of my life and what I feel is probably the history of EVPs. Um, or uh, that I feel is probably in the history of EVPs. I'm sorry. We didn't hear it without our with our own ears, but after the excuse me time frame, this audible recorder captured the unmistakable sound of a wagon getting a wagon getting louder as it approached us at a slow speed and the sound volume diminishing as it passed by. We were the only people in that quarry. There is no outside sound that penetrates there, and there is no way to debunk what we captured. So that's pretty cool considering the you know the quarry was probably mined like he said by by slaves and uh obviously back then they didn't have any motorized vehicles or anything like that so it was all horse-drawn or or oxen drawn <clears throat> carriages and whatnot so that's pretty cool yeah that is um that actually is kind of interesting i have a in my possession a story uh, I was going to actually use it tonight, but I decided not to. I'm going to save it for a little while and hopefully actually get the person to join us on the show one night. Mm-hmm. Um, but they um, are a psychic or medium, psychic medium, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they had dealt with a property here in Virginia where you can still see the old slaves quarters. Mm-hmm. And they were called to this house to investigate. And when they were there, they saw what would have been the spirit of slaves Mm -hmm. in the field, like looking at them. And when they communicated, they communicated in such um, a version of the language that would have been time period specific for slaves. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot in that, in excusing me, like type dialect of the language. Yeah. Uh, funny thing was I wasn't allowed to run that story in the newspaper when I did my scary story contest years ago for tickets to St. Albans because it was racially insensitive. Mm. Um, The same newspaper that printed a cartoon of officer friendly, which if anybody's interested, which is a horribly racist cartoon or anti-cop cartoon. And um, you can find it online, but they were the same people that published that cartoon. (laughs) But yeah, I had an argument with the editor basically stating like, that's how slaves would have spoke English. They wouldn't have spoke like you and I do nowadays. They would have been bits and choppy and would have had words in the wrong place at times. Mm-hmm. But I lost that argument. But the editor did come to me the next day and apologize. 
because I was right. She was wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so that's interesting. I've also heard other places where now not captured necessarily on EVP recorders, but where people have heard the sounds of like horse-drawn carriages coming up like drive like old-fashioned driveways mm -hmm. there's a uh, mansion in south boston which is a little bit south of where i'm at and the hotel manager for the place heard the one day the sound of the wagon wheels and horse hooves coming up the stone driveway wow so she it was the middle of the day like early day something like that it was sunny out though yeah, yeah. and she was like wow that's pretty neat because this is a 1700s or early 1800s built mansion yeah that was uh at one point it was the fourth largest plantation in america mm -hmm. it's i mean it's humongous but she thought oh this is pretty cool somebody's bringing a horse and wagon up here so she stood on these big front steps and is standing there, standing there, and it's getting louder. But you can see down the driveway, there's nobody coming up the driveway, but the sound of the wagon wheels and the horse hooves yeah. are actually like they're approaching her. They are getting louder every time she hears them. Hmm. And she only worked there a short time when that happened to her. Yeah. I don't know if that person still works there, but I know they had like a practically had a nervous breakdown that day. Yeah, I guess so. You know, speaking of plantations and whatnot, that one that's up the street from you, the historical building, mm -hmm. we have got to, we, we've got to investigate that. So the next time I come down to your place, which the kids have been harping on me to come down to see you. Cause all they want to do is hang out with you and your chickens. But, uh, we got to come down and we got to get into that place. Well, the funny thing, I don't know if you all heard that. The funny thing, uh, ghost hunters wanted to do that building for their final season. And the director of the historical preservation society for there mm -hmm. uh, said, you know, when he was contacted, he's like, well, what do you mean come here and paranormal investigate oh well we've been told it's haunted and we've been told all these stories and he was like there are no ghosts here you're not allowed here stop contacting us yeah but there is a slave cemetery across the street which is public domain and the family cemetery which is public domain and you can actually walk through the building and take tours of it so doesn't nobody says you can't take equipment with you when you do it well, what I would like for you to do is take some business cards and uh, our pamphlet once I, once I get it printed up, uh, take that down there and ask. Well, the, I think the neat place would be the building next to it, which is the uh, like um, emergency management building. Right, right, right. I remember you telling me about that. Place. Yeah, that place actually has a lot of activity. Well, I say we do a uh, double header. I mean, if I'm going to come down, let's get the most bang for our buck. It's a long drive. 
So let's see if we can get in there and get into the uh, the plantation house and possibly check out the the slave cemetery and the family cemetery and see what we could find. Because at least with the slave cemetery and the family cemetery, nobody could stop us. It's public, so you know I mean? yeah. we should be able to get in there and and do what we need to do. And from the last time I was down there, I don't remember seeing a lot of people hanging around. No, the the slave cemetery just sits back towards the river. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can cross over through the one business and walk all the way back there. During the day, I think when the business is open, you can actually almost drive all the way out. Mm. But uh, it's actually where the lynch laws come from, lynching laws. Yeah, That's yeah. actually the people who own that house are where those started. Mm. So imagine that big tree that sits over the cemetery, what it was used for. Oh, yeah. Well, back then, actually, it wasn't that type of punishment the actual laws were written about. It was about whipping and stuff like that. It wasn't hanging. Lynching wasn't didn't mean hanging back then. Mm-hmm. But that family also aided in the Revolutionary War by figuring out a way for us to get gunpowder or make gunpowder here in North America without having to try to smuggle it through the blockade. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all we have for our show tonight. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, I know the next couple shows that we kind of have on the docket, we we still want to talk about the American Jotlov Pass, which we had said we were going to do that show when we did the actual Jotlov Pass. So that's on. Uh, that'll be a coming show, and we're also going to be talking about uh, the correlation between Bigfoot and ufos or aliens um and uh the i guess what you want to call it the bigfoot ufo hype in the 70s in pennsylvania in the kecksburg area of pennsylvania there's a lot of stuff that had happened out there so that's going to be one of our uh, next shows so please tune in for that um, if there's anything else you all would like for us to talk about, any kind of uh, topic, any kind of stories or anything, please feel free to send us an email at encounters at Explorers Group. You could get in touch with us on our website at www.explorersgroup.com. You can contact us there. It'll go to the same uh, email address. Uh, get a hold of us on Twitter at Explorers Group, on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Explorers Group. And like I said, on Instagram, too, at uh, Explorers Group. Um, And again, like I had said earlier in the show, please go to iTunes, search Explorers Seekers of the Truth. Leave us a five-star rating. Give us some kind words, if you don't mind, to to help us grow and spread spread the word, you know. So again, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us. This was our second annual Halloween show, although... A few days late yeah you know what can you do if we were ever on time for anything i think uh i think one of us would be sick <laughs> or the banshee would be wailing yeah that's right that's right so well i had fun i hope you all enjoyed this uh like Wes said if there's any topics you'd like to hear us cover please submit them i'm always interested in you know, finding out new and interesting information. So, mm-hmm. and sharing it. So definitely let us know and happy Halloween. Yes. Yes. Happy belated Halloween, everybody. I hope your 
your night was fun and fruitful in the form of candy. So good night, everybody. We'll see you next week.